As we prepare to hear scripture, let us come before God in prayer. Let us pray. Holy God, by your spirit, enlighten us. Illumine us. Inspire us. Not for our sakes, but for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom we live and move and have our being. Amen. The first reading is from Genesis 15, verses 1 to 6. Let us hear the word of God. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and count the stars. If you are able to count them, then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. And from the Psalms, Psalm 33, verses 12 to 22, read responsively, and the words will appear before you on the screen. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the whom he has the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes their deeds. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Truly, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. To deliver their souls from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul awaits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. The next reading is from Hebrews 11, verses 1 to 3 and 8 to 16. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not invisible. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to set out for a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he set out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he stayed for a time in a land he had been promised, as in a foreign land, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, he received power of procreation, even though he was too old, and Sarah herself was barren, because he considered himself him faithful who had promised. 
Therefore, from one person, and this one as good as dead, descendants were born. As many as the stars of heaven and as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. All of these died in faith without having received the promises, but from a distance they saw and greeted them. They confessed that they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. For people who speak in this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of the land that they had left behind, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Indeed, he has prepared a city for them. And the last reading is from Luke 12, verses 32 to 40. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, Blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What does the kingdom of light of God look like? What does it mean to be a person of faith? These are age-old questions that go at least as far back as the days when Jesus walked the earth and taught the people who followed him. And indeed, we hear this very struggle throughout all of the books of the Hebrew scriptures that precede the New Testament. People trying to figure out this relationship that exists between God and humanity. What the 20th century theologian Emil Brunner referred to as the I-thou relationship. That is what is presented to us in that scripture that we heard read this morning from the gospel according to Luke. Indeed, this morning's reading is just one small part of a much larger unit found in Luke's chapters 10, 11, and 12. In these chapters, Jesus is surrounded by people who have been drawn to him. People who are trying to fit together Jesus' teachings with the necessities of their own life experience. People who long to live better and more faithful lives. People just like us. This section from Luke's gospel is a collection of axioms and sayings and parables told by Jesus to the people who had been following him. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. 
when faced with this morning's text, I was very envious of Alex, who had that wonderful parable that he could say that he preached on last week, the parable of the man and the barns. Indeed, I don't know why exactly it was, but I knew it was coming up in the lectionary. And while I was on vacation, I was thinking, oh, I hope that doesn't come up before I get back from holidays. But see, it's part, that reading, that parable as well, is part of this, this section from Luke's gospel, all of these little axioms and sayings and parables. And they all come rapid fire. It's like we, we really get the, 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 the sense of what it must have been like to be followers of Jesus. And to sit at his feet as he, as, as he um, sat upon a large stone or sat by the well in the, in the town square and opened up for those who came to hear him this vision of the kingdom of God. He gives all of these little, little sayings and they all come rapid fire one after another. Many of us, many people in our world are still searching and wondering about those questions. What does it mean to be followers of Jesus? What does it mean to seek out the kingdom of God? I've known many a church member in my years of ministry who have commented that they don't always understand the Bible when they read it by themselves. And so they appreciate the exposition of the word on a Sunday morning in the sermon or the deeper dives that we take into scripture in Bible study because it helps them to understand exactly what's going on and what it is that Jesus is calling them to do. And sometimes that's understandable. Sometimes that's, that's really understandable. I don't know if you noticed, but this reading from Mark's gospel that was just read for us by Cynthia is this little kind of, it, it, it seems very scattered. Jesus talks about selling everything that you have and making a purse to hold your treasure that is in heaven. Uh, and then he goes into a couple of quick stories about being prepared, being ready for when the kingdom of God will come. It's hard to fit all of those pieces together. It's one of the reasons I'm really jealous about Alex getting to preach that wonderful parable last week. Because it was easy and it was knit nicely together. But I think, I think I have the key for today. You know, perhaps it is just this sort of anxiety that Jesus speaks into in the opening verse of today's gospel lesson. Jesus' first words in this passage that we read are important words, I think, for us to remember as people of faith. Jesus says, Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What wonderful words those are. Do not be afraid. God wants to give you the kingdom. And it is, you know, every now and then we hear these words. And I don't think we emphasize them as much as we should. It is God's pleasure that you receive the kingdom of God. There is, one might phrase it differently and say, there is nothing that God wants better than for us to experience the kingdom of God. 
And so the question then becomes, well, what is the kingdom of God like? The kingdom of God is free from anxiety. Do not fear, little flock. It's both words about this, this idea about receiving the kingdom of God, but I think it's bigger than that. I think those words, do not fear, speaks to the nature of God's kingdom as well. And then Jesus goes on and he says, Do not fear. Now go out and sell everything that you have and give alms to the poor and get ready for heaven. Almost a text that runs into itself, doesn't it? There's, there's almost a collision of ideas there. And, and there is. There's a, a huge collision of ideas. There is that idea of go out and sell everything that you have, which I'm quite sure, raise your hand, is an anxiety-producing uh, prospect. Right? Just from getting figuring out everything that you have to start with. Right? I know... I've talked to many people over the years who have talked about, uh, you know, they've lived in their home for 30 and 40 and 50 years and now it's time to move into a smaller apartment or move into a long-term care somewhere. And the first thing they do is they kind of start to panic over all of the stuff that they've accumulated over the years. And what are they going to do with it all? And there's that bit of anxiety. We worry about our stuff. And then there's the anxiety of the worry about, well, how does one live in a world without our stuff? Without our houses and our comfort and our money, how does that work? One commentator in commenting on this text put a cautionary note in his explanation of this text, and he said, do not believe that Jesus is saying things don't matter. To do that is to, is to, be, is to articulate injustice toward the poor. But rather, rather it is this understanding that we have that this is not all of it. Certainly, as a member of the clergy, we have been blessed over the years. We don't have to worry about living in a home for 40 years and having to worry about all of our stuff. Every time we've moved, there's been that winnowing of the, uh, of the things that we've acquired while we've been in this house and in the previous life so that we can move on to the next one. Children's clothing is gone away and dealt with. Unlike my mother. I'm going to tell a story on my mother. Who, uh, some of you know, during the pandemic, we made a quick trip down because my mother was selling the house. And one day I went up into one of the attics in the house in the back half and pulled down a suitcase. And inside the suitcase, and I wish I had thought of this sooner because there'd be a picture of it on the screen. I found a sweater that I remember 
there are pictures of me as a five-year-old child with this sweater. And my mother still had it. It and a little pink and white outfit that my sister wore, a pair of white overshoe galoshes that she had at Christmas, uh, for wintertime. Some of those little things. Memories, yes, but also things that we had to figure out. What do you do with it after whew, a lot of years? Never been ours, but for us, it's always been we leaving behind the relationships and the people that we've formed in these communities of faith that we, as, as we move from place to place. And I think that is part of our understanding of this text today. Rather than being concerned about all of the things that we acquire for ourselves and hold on to, Jesus says, make a purse. Build a little bank account in heaven. Invest upon those things that are worthy of God's consideration. And that, of course, would be the relationships, the charity for the poor, the generosity of what we do with the things that we have received and accumulated, that we might be in service of our Lord in building the kingdom here on earth. And then he says, I think he says, and don't wait. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until it's too late. Remember our friend from last week in the parable that Alex shared with you? The rich farmer who had more than enough and ample supplies, his only concern was, what am I going to do with all of my crops. And so, so blessed was he that he was able to tear down all of his barns and build bigger barns to hold everything that he had. But what does that parable say he did not do? Share with others. He was an accumulator. And then parable ends with him dying suddenly and all that he had planned in his life all of the things that I'm sure he had imagined he was going to do with this great wealth that he had amassed over the years he never had the opportunity to do run into that a lot with folks as they retire or as they get a little bit older the advice that I've been given more than once is don't put off doing what you really want to do until you can't do it anymore. Don't put off the trip or the whatever it is that you've planned for all of your life thinking, well, I'll leave that until, until, but do it. And the same Jesus says is true of the kingdom of God. Don't be like the servants who are not waiting 
in anxious anticipation for their master to come home, the bridegroom, and in so doing, be unprepared. But be the servant who is ready and watching and waiting, ready to serve their master when they arrive with lamps lit and, uh, and uh, vats of uh, ewers of oil that they might anoint their master and clean their feet. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your master's pleasure to give you the kingdom. We live in anxious times, right? It's just about to the point where you don't want to sit down and watch the evening news after supper. I hit that point at one time in my life back in the 90s. Back when, if you remember, back when they said that the Canadian dollar was going to sink to the level of the peso, uh, there was about a year and a half where I didn't read the news, I didn't watch, I didn't pay attention because it was just always so depressing, so anxiety producing. And we're almost at that point now, right? Every night there's talk about inflation and, and uncertainty in the markets, labor shortages. I think we understand why that's anxiety-producing stuff. And yet it seems, I think, to underscore Jesus' message today, don't put too much value in things that are fickle. In things that will change as easily as the puff of a breeze and one does not know why. But rather, think first on God's kingdom. Because God wants you to have the kingdom and in that kingdom, God promises that there will be joy. So, While I wasn't excited about this task, this text for this week, I was really looking for a nicer parable, something that really grasp onto. The reality is perhaps there's no more important thing for us to hear today than Jesus' words. Do not be anxious. Do not be afraid. But think about the kingdom and work for the kingdom work for the justice that we mentioned there in passing for the poor work for those things to build relationships between us and other people work for the good of our community and our society because that is where the true blessing rests and that is where the value lies. It really has been depressing watching the news over the last little while because so much of what is depicted on the news is people who are selfish. 
people who don't want to take a vaccine or wear a mask or do the things that need to get us through this present difficult moment. People who don't want to buy into the, uh, the, uh, the institutional message, thinking that they have some secret knowledge. I was, I was thinking about this just the other day. You know, they, we, 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 we live in a culture now where there are vast numbers of people who want to deny 500 years or more of scientific endeavor. You know, back when Christopher Columbus set sail for the Spanish king, the great fear of the people who, who waved him goodbye was that they, they figured they were never going to see him again because he was going to sail off the end of the earth. He apparently didn't. And then Magellan and Cook and others circumnavigated the globe from, from ports in Europe all the way around underneath South America, across the Pacific Ocean, and around again back to Europe. And we now live in a day and an age when there are people who still believe that the world is flat and believe that they have insight. Because it fits in with their own narrative that you can't trust anything. And this gospel message today is there are there is indeed something that you can trust. That you can trust in a God who gives to you blessings in abundance. Right? All of the things that we have, all of the things that we enjoy. But he gives it to us not so that they become an end in themselves, but that we can use them to further the kingdom of God. To be God for other people. To reach out, and to care for them, to uplift them, to ease their suffering and their pain. And to show them the love of God that dwells in us is offered to them as well. Therefore, regardless of what you will hear on the news today, don't forget, Jesus says, do not worry, little children, because it is God's great pleasure that he can give to you the kingdom and all of its righteousness. And that blessings will be received as we set our eyes on that reality. Thanks be to God for his many blessings to us. Amen.